Welcome, family, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Indigiru podcast. Today, for our Mindful Creative series, we have with us uh, Navasha Dea. Welcome, Navasha, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, For those few people in the world who are not familiar with who you are, would you mind introducing yourself for us? Well, I, again, I'm Navasha Dea. I'm a um, performing and recording artist, um, internationally um, known, I would say. Um, let me see, cultural arts activist, um, I'm a Waterfront Festival director, a mentor, a spiritual advisor, spiritual mentor. Um, let me see. I guess I'll stop there. You can ask me more questions later. (laughs) Yes, all the things. So um, our Mindful Creative series is really reaching out to artists that look like they are very intentional in creating their art. And so for those who are not um, familiar with you, you have a very um, cultural embodiment that takes place on Uh stage. And for some people, that's just a look but for those that know you they know that it's a lifestyle right or am i am i right Mm -hmm. okay so as a creative when did you begin being intentional about curating your your style and who you would be on stage and off Hmm. that's a good question when i decided to be a performing recording artist um i'm trying to think how far back um, I knew that I would use a certain name. I knew the name I would use early on when I was younger, like in my teens, because I always wanted to be a recording performing artist. And um, in my 20s, when I released my first album right out of college, um, I knew that I wanted to represent culture. I wanted to, I want people to see culture. I wanted people to feel it. And back then in the early 90s, or no, not early 90s, late 90s, you know, Erica Badu and Lauren Hill and, and all that Neil Soul thing had just come out at the same time. I think Love Jones had come out. When I came out as an artist, I came out around that same time. And I was very intentional in regards to my hair being, you know, natural. I was raised that way too. So it was almost like a returning to myself because I did. I was probably the only sibling that didn't want locks when I was younger. Um, and I ended up being the main one to have them, have them now. I have some other siblings that's had them and everything, but our parents had them, my siblings had them. And so it was like a returning back to myself. So I was very mindful of wearing cultural clothes, specifically African clothes, African fabrics. I would get visions and messages from spirit of what to put in my hair, like the feathers in my hair, markings on my face. I used to do like crystals going up my thing for all the chakras. I was really specific, like the color and the shape, like the moon for this one and the Mudra, you know, da, 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 da. like I would just be really se- serious about the the yantra for each chakra, and I would put that on my forehead. It shifted to this now, which is T lock, which is a spiritual marking um, and Krishna consciousness that I wear spiritually and wear on stage. And so today is more of a spiritual marking, which is not as perfect and on stage and everything I do it with makeup. So the shape is there, um, and that's intentional as well. And then they gave me some other visions that I haven't done yet, but. Um, but everything is, is intentional because I know people get activated by remembering who they are, by understanding their indigenous connection. So they, when you connect to the earth and the natural elements, it brings a certain ground in your life. And so when you look and embody the indigenous, the indigenous, the indigenous reality, I want to say, and which connects to the indigenous technology, some, some kind of remembering opens up in people no matter what race, because everyone is indigenous to, to mother earth contrary to what people who identify as white try to say about us they're indigenous to mother earth too they just not always tap into the earth-based traditions which is one of the issues so um you know all of us and so for me i was very intentional about that i really can't sing stuff about stuff that's like not what feels good to me so (laughs) that was never an option i mean when i was a teenager i was you know i'm from cleveland ohio so i was a teenager in the studio with a girl group my sister was one of the members and we were doing r&b when tony braxton came out and we were Mm -hmm. doing like little love songs that 16 year olds sing about 
and it was you know it was clean and i you know i was in, the lavert is the big artist in cleveland so we were in their studio so i remember having that experience most singers have had that little young experience with it you know exception like brandy and monica did it really young and they did you know became professional from it but all of us had a taste of that most of us in our young years of trying to get signed and all that so in that time i had my consciousness i had like you know those what do you call it, tree braids and like that but i didn't really um decide that in my artistry, I would look a certain way that young, even though I looked that way off stage. Like in college, high school, I was wearing African garb tops with like some jeans and you know stuff like that. I didn't look at it as a movement or something different or deep. I just, that's how I was raised. So I just dressed like that. But when I got older and I knew that I was putting out albums, I knew that my image, and I always, I've always styled myself. I've had some people assist, but most of, mostly it's me. I'm doing my makeup, my clothes, my hair, you know, it's me. And I enjoyed that process. Although it'd be, be helpful to have more help on these fast shows. But anyway, but so um, it's safe to say literally from you deciding this is the, the path that I'm going to pursue. Mm-hmm. You had already established some of these, these yeah. norms, expectations for yourself as a. Yeah, a- I guess you say that because even not wearing shoes, I remember the first show. Um, well, not the first show, but my second CD release, um, my my favorite sandal, which I can't find ever again, is a black, nice little strippy, low heel, but like strappy sandal. It broke. And so I took my shoes off. And after that, I just never wore shoes because I want to be, you know, connected to the earth. So, I mean, I wear them now sometimes, but, you know, those are kind of the thoughts I had around it. It wasn't any A&R director or creative director saying, look like this, this is fast. You know, you can influence young girls. I didn't have that. And actually the way I looked startled people actually. And I had to like, initiate them to themselves in some ways i'm saying that now but i know that people have told me this so i would come on stage and they're like who is this lady with this feathers and stuff on her face and this (laughs) this?" even though erica badu was out with her hair wraps they still people still did not get it and it was still something foreign like kwanzaa or something and so not that kwanzaa is bad but it was like that was the only orientation and, and roots in african movies and so i felt like with the exception of certain cities that had that a part of their culture so i knew that i still had to do um i still had to kind of convince people of like this is cool or, I don't know I don't really know because other people had the reaction but I do know that it wasn't like the common look right. it wasn't the common look that someone would dress you in if you were going to a record company and they were like this is your look as an artist that wasn't the look people would choose even Erica's look I don't know her styling thing and I don't know if there's any interviews to talk to her about that but I know that at this time we came out the scene in New York and other places the open mic poetry scene was really really big and so people like that would be influenced by what they saw around them so um yeah so that I, I guess so, that's yeah yeah no that leads me um kind of into my next question you mentioned that people were so um startled or surprised by the image that they saw in you and how you had to do an initiation of sorts kind of um, initiating them back to themselves and so over the years as an artist have you found that your extended artist community has begun to be more mindful and intentional in how they show up and do you think that that's somehow connected to um your solid connection with yourself and or um an initiation to themselves that may have taken place in relation to interacting with you mm-hmm. so i will say this too the other side of it is that people who are conscious as well who are Afrocentric or you know indigenous-minded and esoterically spiritual? All these things. When they see people look like that, they hope that they're really like that in their mind. Like they, I hope you really like that. You're not just looking like that. Yeah. So there were the audience members who were just refreshed because they looked the same way, and they well not the exact same way. But you know what I mean? But like they vibed and felt like they were they were acknowledged and not acknowledged, but they saw themselves. They saw you're like me. I'm like that too, especially like in DC, New York, there's certain places in Atlanta, there's certain places that never lost their sense of self and culture that when you have an artist that looks like that come out, they're like really excited. So I will say that that community, African dance community, cultural community were look were reflecting themselves. We, we were reflections of each other. And so therefore there was an excitement of sorts of like, you get it, like what happens now, like, you know, Beyonce mentions Oshun. So the whole Orisha community is like, yeah, she's right. like, Oshun, oh, yeah, she must be down. She could be down. She went to, you know, she went to um to, to Cuba and she's rich and people, Bob allows and other people are going to approach her, you know. So, you know, mm-hmm. she could be exposed. She could not be because she has a great creative team, I will say. Mm-hmm. And so you just never know how she gets information. But um, people, we get excited when we see people that look like us, that remind us 
specifically culturally, like people who look at your shape, you're, you know, you might get excited about little Kim because you're short too. Oh, she's little too. And it's me fly. Yeah. You know, you get excited <laughs> about that. But when people reflect your religion or your culture, like if I, like Kamala Harris, who's running for vice president, she has half Indian, you know, real Indian, not the Christopher Columbus strangers, but the real Indian bloodline. And so people who are identified as Indian, they are excited because she represents them. So I think we all get excited about seeing representations of ourselves. So I, I take that quite seriously, knowing that this, what I represent is not the majority of people's way of thinking or practice at all. In my world, it is the majority and the people I associate with, but I'm very mindful that everyone does not use the same language, the same concepts, um, even esoterically, you know, beyond going beyond the body and the, the lineages on the, in the physical, even spiritually on the unseen world, there's certain terminologies I've learned and studied and practiced, initiated to that is not common conversation. But I will say that people are yearning for something deeper. So going back to your question, I think that because people are yearning for something deeper, you have the group Oshun, who the lead singer, one of the singers, her mother is conscious. And I know her mother, we're the same age group. And so I know what she's raised around. You know, she's raised mm -hmm. around Orisha. She's raised around that. So that's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. um, you have um, Africans, African you know, Ankara clothing, which is really from Europe, that's a whole other conversation. Like we done, we done celebrated the African fabric and some of it's not even indigenous to Africa, it's from some Europeans making money off of us. Okay, and, and Asian Chinese folk printed it up. So there, there's the economic thing. But anyway, I digress. Um, you have people who find that to be fly now. So it's actually in style. So for the first time, I wanna say for me as a young person, when I was younger, being made fun of for wearing African garb, and my parents having locks and being raised vegetarian and meditating, now it's hip. So, so witnessing that and seeing that shift is is exciting. And I think that that shift of people searching for something deeper, Wakanda coming out, um, a guy, classic man, I can't think of his name, Jediah, Jediah, you know, that's, that's building, yeah, J yeah, I'm sorry, I don't say his name right, I'm sorry, brother. Um, I'm not a good name person, so please forgive me. Um, you have, but the foundation of that is Earth, Wind, and Fire, who did comedic symbolism in their albums, mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I don't know who else did that deep stuff. Like Alex Coltrane sung about deep stuff, like even Satchitananda, the soul, the spirit, and energy. Like that's that's sacred. That's some Sanskrit stuff. But people did study deep stuff. Like in the 60s, people wore African garb, Afros, the Black Power Movement, the Black Arts Movement. So we're standing on the shoulders of that. But I think there's a returning of that of sorts that lends itself to um, that look. And so artists like me, myself, does I have what I do, but it doesn't look totally different like it used to look. Yeah. So the imagery wise, and I'm, I'm giving a long answer, I apologize. Imagery wise, I think it's easy to, um, to vibe and be excited about it. So other artists feel comfortable grasping those looks and the things that are passed down to them from their specific lineages now. I think it's definitely a time where it's more open and accepted now. People are looking, and it also looks, don't get it confused, looks are in. So people do want to have looks and we've always looks have always been in, in the industry. People say, what's your look going to be? Mary J. Blige. Like it was a big thing. People style you and ask your look. You're going to look like a, like a, you know, like, you know, what is it? Um, Joe to see like how you look baggy pants or, or fitted shirts, a uh, Kango. Like that was strategic. People did do looks and the industry still has that. So I wouldn't put, I don't put a class anybody. They have a team that styles them, but I think that the style of looking indigenous of Afrocentricity is more accepted now than it used to be. And so um, you hit on an important point because even in giving the history of um, your personal relationship and how you were raised and how that translated into um, how you created your onstage persona, there is a very clear cut portion that is you. And so even when I, I think about being mindful and being intentional in creating um, how we're going to live our life and curate, curating our experience, it's not so much that it is mirroring someone else's, but that it is authentic mm -hmm. to the individual. Mm -hmm. And so um, one artist may have grown up maybe in a Christian household mm -hmm. and is very steeped in gospel. Mm -hmm. And these other, you know, maybe some jazz and these different areas. And so as they're mindfully creating, if they just decided to let go of all of that and not acknowledge any of it, they may actually have some, some parts of them that become stumbling blocks because they're not honoring mm -hmm. a part 
of themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, at this stage in your career and who you are, I know from what I've observed and what I know of you that you're very mindful and intentional about like the melting pot of those worlds. And can you share a little bit about um, how that feels as an artist to incorporate your spirituality, to incorporate your culture and incorporate your community? To some people, it would be tricky because, you know, fear of being judged. For me, I feel it's necessary because it shows a level of freedom that can free up other people. So I'm very mindful as an artist, the way I dance on stage, the way I speak, the way I am as a person off stage, that I am to inspire freedom. I am to inspire people to be who they are, be goofy, mess up, make mistakes. Um, I don't, I work hard not to present myself as perfect. Um, you know, um, even if people admire, just kind of being authentic. I, I say my, I say what I'm working on. I'm, I try to be really honest. Um, so, hmm. Yeah, so I'm very intentional because I like to be authentic anyway as a person. And I feel like in the big scheme of things, as we're working on our, the purpose of us being here on this earth as spirit souls and these bodies, that the goal is to be who you really are. And so as by all mean, any means necessary, like you think of all the great temples as man, know thyself. And so for me, I work really hard personally to know who I am. And that, and I, you know, that trickles in the music, you know, for the most part, I, I've always written my own, you know, music with the exception of some, you know, projects where people wrote as well, but it always had to reflect what I felt else I wouldn't sing it. I really wouldn't sing. I remember it was songs presented to me. I'm like, Mm, I'm like mm, I don't like this it didn't and I, I was just not I wouldn't I just didn't like it I was like it don't vibe with me even if it was deep words I was like I just don't feel it. I can't dance it. I don't feel it no, I'm good mm -hmm. and it would just and it would, it would be taken away even the band I was in like it things I did not sing anything I didn't feel comfortable with that didn't resonate with my spirit and my values and ethics and my moral compass and so with that and I have a pretty you know it's not the strictest moral compass of the earth but I have a pretty serious one only because I know what you know the times we're in you know what I'm saying so for me <laughs> it was you know I was always mindful of that and it's, and it's fun for me it's not deep it's not extra it's just who I am and so for me um I, for myself I feel like it's normal for me to do it. So it's not like some special thing. I'm going to be authentic. I don't know what it's not like to be authentic. So it's not like I was another kind of artist and I said, I'm going to know who I am now and be who I am. It, with the exception of growing as a woman where you get liberated from situations and, you know, you grow inside. But, but, but that's the same thing because, yeah. you know, at least from my perspective, within your own personal journey, you have mm -hmm. your own evolution. Right. And so there is no comparison to anyone else outside of mm -hmm. yourself. It's just comparing mm -hmm. um, each version of yourself to mm -hmm. a previous version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so um, like you talk about evolving as a woman and having certain experiences, mm -hmm. some things just no longer are relevant and other things mm -hmm. become elevated because they are mm -hmm. more important as you, mm -hmm. you grow and mm -hmm. you develop and so the authenticity piece the authenticity is is your base it's your root mm -hmm. it's your foundation is that something that was um amplified and taught in your home as a child is that something that your parents instilled in you and your siblings yeah my mother was really big on thinking for yourself being a free thinker and i'm saying my mother's hard. i feel so bad for my dad because it was like mommy said it mommy said because my father taught us a lot of deep spiritual stuff and meditation and things like that but as far as like confident conversations confidence feelings stuff like that we talked to mommy and she was really big on being an independent thinker if we even presented anything that's because somebody else she'd be like oh nope even if it was good <laughs> i want to go to church let people go to church um no you need to decide to do it on your own like she was really she's she is really even now i told her something recently and she was like why and i'm like dang mom really really grown like oh my god mm -hmm. but she's gonna challenge me because she wants us to be independent thinkers and to listen to our own spirit so being who i am i was encouraged i remember going to school being i got made fun of for this though but i remember i was in ballet really strict ballet from age two to 11. i, I was on my toes and everything only black girl in my class at the end of it all but I was going to ballet and you wear those pink stockings and I'm, I'm dressing myself. My mother let me dress myself and I'm wearing like green knickerbockers and a fluorescent yellow shirt with pink stockings. I got made up so made fun of so bad. I came home crying. I was all like, oh. but my mother still let us dress ourselves and, and let us be who we are and really cultivated that within all of us while still she was very strategic in steering us. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she got, you know, she knew a lot about us, got our charts done really early, things like that. 
And so she knew, she had an idea of our personalities, but she was very strategic with us in regards to our schooling. I remember I was talking about this earlier today um, that I went to a um, private school in Cleveland, um, majority white body people, and I was in a play and I just felt so ugly and dark and whatever I felt. And my mother was like, oh, you're not going there no more. Like she was like, oh no, <laughs> we're not putting you in environments that you feel low self-esteem. That's not even happening now, you know. Yeah. You know who you are, then you go back to that environment. And that was really helpful because my personality couldn't handle it because I was a mushy, bushy, friendly person. And these girls yeah. were white girls was mean to me because I could sing and whatever the reasons are. But I just felt really, I didn't feel comfortable. And my mother saw that and said, nope, you're not going to be in. And I remember hearing her say that. So that's why I can remember it. She was, it wasn't something she told me later. I just remember her saying, oh no, you're not going to be in environments that don't support mm -hmm. you, no. And so yeah. she was always instilling authenticity in regards to being who you are, knowing you came here for a purpose. I mean, we have all kinds of speeches. I mean, in our wall, we had like, <laughs> stop, look, listen, think, then do. I remember that. Stop, look, listen, think, then do on the wall. Like, I'm a, whew, yeah, she was serious. And so with that, values and consciousness and light and dark and spiritual war, I wrote the song of spiritual war because my mom, like, we're in a spiritual war. Who's, who's for the light? I'm for the light. Who's willing to die for the light? I'm like eight years old. Like, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Like, who's willing to die for the light? Dang, my, that's, I don't know what I said. Yeah. I just probably said, mm. she, I think she said I did say, mm. Well, you talking about dying for the light? What do you mean by that? Like, it was. But she planted a seed because. She planted a seed. You then had to think about, huh, yeah. would I die mm -hmm. for the light? I'm not yeah. sure. Let me. Right. Let me get solid in that answer. I'll get exactly. back to you. <laughs> exactly. And so her spirituality, emotional intelligence were very false. I mean, good grades were not even an option. You get no money for good grades. It's like, you better get A, you better get a B. Like, it's not even an option. But um, character and spiritual connection and devotion to God was very big in our household. And she didn't really, there was no dogma about spirituality and religion. We were, we respect, we were given options. We saw options. We went to church, you know, we knew about, you know, Islam and my parents took Shahada and we saw African spirituality. We saw Native American spirituality. We saw, you know, esoteric meditation. Probably I was raised doing Kriya yoga. Like, mm -hmm. so, so that, that expansiveness with the emotional intelligence, with the knowing your culture and with the importance of knowing your culture. Cause my sister is still to this day, is like, I'm African. And my niece now says, I'm African. She was in school like, mm -mm, I'm African. Like, <laughs> so you know that stuff stayed with us you know so that kind of thing and then also the connection with other human beings and being who you are and not being afraid of it was really it was and I, and I think people don't understand it's really important I should say and unfortunately some people are not raised by people like this and I pray that children get to be raised by people who encourage their development encourage a deep connection encourage their own intuition and their own insight and brilliance so that they can navigate the world in a way that's who they are because a lot of people imitate and not authentic because they're influenced by other people and they want to please people and they're embarrassed about who they are i'm i even though i'm sensitive and i was way sensitive when i was younger i never had a problem with tripping and falling and being goofy like i just i'm not like i must be cool at all you know points i'm like yeah man you know like i'm gonna be goofy i don't care i don't feel people will cuss with i never felt nothing i'm like i'm not that name so whatever like things could bounce off of me so for me knowing who I was, and I feel good saying this because I think I, I think I knew myself more than I thought when I was younger. But I wouldn't let that kind of thing influence and you know affect my confidence. And so going and back to authenticity, I mean, as I don't know how to fake. No, I'm saying as a the things that, that you're talking about as an artist, those are foundational. When you're talking about yeah. knowing who you are, when you're talking about confidence, and then even um, when you mention yeah. the level of exposure that your parents gave you i'm sure that that mm -hmm. um did that expand mm -hmm. i'm sure into different genres of music and and different lifestyles yeah, and those are those have to be things mm -hmm. that um you put in your toolbox so to speak as a creative to pull from mm -hmm. and um yeah i was speaking with a friend earlier and just thinking about the impact of exposure in mm -hmm. young people not being dogmatic about um, pushing a certain thing, but literally just through exposure, you can change the trajectory mm -hmm. of somebody's life. Yep, definitely. And definitely. so it sounds like you actually started off as a um, as an artist, very secure and solid. Of course you've evolved, but that you were fairly solid in who you were as an artist because you were solid in who you were as a person. 
Is that a correct yeah. assessment? Yeah, I guess in the big scheme of things, yes. Um, definitely in regards to like knowing what I liked. You know, it's hard, you know, seeing yourself through other people. It's better if people say, yeah, you were, I remember you, you know, but I know that I was quite serious musically. I remember <laughs> telling the um, guy we had the band together when I first met him, I'm going to be a singer. And yeah, so what you going to do? Like, you know, I'm, I need to gig. And, you know, I was very like, I'm doing this and I don't know what yeah. you're going to do, brother. And he was in school for something else. So I remember being very focused and knowing what I was going to do and what I wanted to do and the integrity I want to do with, I give thanks that in the industry, I have never had to really deal with a lot of the trauma that a lot of women have had to go through. Mm -hmm. And all, you know, and that happens really in the mainstream world mostly. And so I give thanks. I mean, I've been around it and, 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 and you know, in the, in the outer skirts of sorts and within it in respect in certain concerts, but not having to deal with all that comes with the abuse that comes, the, the sexual in, innuendos, the having to do that to get a gig or, you know, being used by people. I didn't have to, I'm really thankful. And now that I'm older, that's not even going to happen at all. Like that's not even an option. But when you're younger, you're so impressionable. So you never know what you would have done or how you would have dealt with it. Cause I didn't have like, you know, artists have their fathers or their mothers on their team. I didn't have that. So, you know, um, traveling with you and stuff. So I give thanks that I haven't, I, I did not get exposed to foolishness. And because of the nature of the music I made and because of my persona, I actually got a lot of respect. People didn't know what to do with me. They was like, is she Muslim? She looked kind of strict, like, I ain't messing with her. <laughs> you know, and I did my dances and stuff, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's, you know, I just kind of carried myself in a way where, you know, I kind of carried myself in a way like, don't mess with me, but I was quiet and I'll be in my corner and doing getting ready and stuff. And I, I feel like I was kind and all that kind of stuff. But um, that's what I feel, you know, people have their own interpretations of you. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, um, I just give thanks. Actually, we're talking about it is give thanks because that foundation of my, you know, the, the, impression you get from something affects your confidence about it and continuing on and I don't have I have like a slight trauma from someone I worked with in regards to them blocking things and not communicating all the opportunities but for the most and I don't really have trauma I just have that experience where I'm like mm, never happened that's never happening again um but besides that I really have been very blessed you know the um the people who like my music become family you know, you end up becoming friends. I've, I've come going back and taught Reiki classes and, you know, people become your people. And so for me, it allows really um, authentic, I know that word again, <laughs> you know, um, human connection, which I crave and love. And, I, and that's a part of my personality. And I love connection with people. Thus, I can meet anybody and start talking about anything. And so with, as an artist, when you get opportunities to develop those relationships with people that become like, who were initially your fans in the sense of liking your music, then they become like your family. That's awesome to me. That's very normal. And so, yeah, I guess I answered that. I'll stop. It's a little late, so I'm a little, I might be going off. Of the end of that podcast. It's okay. That's the end of that. So... If you were to give any sage advice to a, a new or a young artist who is um, just looking to explore their creativity, what would you say? Okay, a couple things. So I feel like when you know who you are, I was going to add this to the other conversation. You're, when you know who you are, you're spiritually grounded, culturally grounded, family grounded, and which cultivates a nice juicy gumbo of sprouting out as a confident balanced woman or person if you are not a woman um is important and so to a person i would tell them if they were a vocalist specifically i would say study all the genres find your voice by listening to other artists and imitating them so you can know where your voice is and your limitations and your expansiveness then also um if no matter what other genre to study the history of that music or that art um, look at the, you know, discover some heroes and sheroes whose lives you admire. Because for me, I do have a concern in regards to the lives of the lives of some of these elders that I admire that were abused by their husbands who went on drugs and died from that or got overdosed. Like I think Billie Holiday was actually dealing with activism and when she wrote um, Strange Fruit. Thank you, Strange Fruit. The white folk did not like that. And so they, somebody po overdosed her, you know, did an overdose thing. So it was actually mm -hmm. might have been a murder. Mm -hmm. And so you have those kind of situations. But if she had never done drugs, then people would have been like, it's a murder. But because she did drugs, they'd be like, oh, you know, she overdosed. And so you have that. And then you have these highly spiritual people like, you know, like um, um, uh, Jimi Hendrix, who's highly spiritually involved and, you know, had his own journey with that. And, and you know, Nina Simone. I mean, it's just so many people that you look at. And I look at their lives. I look at, I look at, um, 
trumpet player. I'm I'm doing jazz right now, obviously. Um, what's his name? He was married to his wife forever. So you know, for me, I look at relationships. People who have healthy marriages. Coltrane. Not Coltrane. He's saxophone. It's okay. um he's, um, not him. What is it? He's old school, but ah, I can't. Remember. I feel so bad. I'm so horrible with names, but he's an elder. He's before all of them. He's before Bebop. And so, okay. um, but he had his wife and they went to Kim. It's a picture of them and Kimmet. And he stayed with his wife. So just looking at people mm-hmm. who had healthy relationships, I look at people like, what do you want to leave behind? What, what kind of reputation do you want to have? When people are saying, you know, what does your obituary say? And what do you want people to remember you by? And are enough people calling you in libation because you help them outside of music, like not just donating yeah. money because you're rich now, but like having human connections. I mean, donate money because you're rich is helpful. Um, and that's yeah. good. I'm not discounting that at all. But it's just more so, you know, the human relationships, the connection, the work outside of that, the social justice work. Um, what are you doing to make the world better in addition to your music? Because art, as one of my elders, Mama Willie says, art is not enough. Like, you know, what else are you doing to uplift humanity? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's why the spiritual component is important because then you're in tune and you're expanded and then you're getting the downloads you need. So, you know, with the young people and people who are not young coming into art or are artists, just being mindful of that being important. Because I actually have a big concern about that. That's a part that I do. I work with a lot. I find that I attract a lot of artists as students, as clients, as mentees spiritually, because it's really important that you grow. And it's not just about writing songs about where you're at. Can we not be at being abused? Can we not be at no love? Can we not be there? Like, can we not think about that? Can it be like an accident because you want to show a perspective and not be your reality? Lord have mercy. You know, so can we have more positive stuff? I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, we being real. I'm like, well, can we be real about them? Can people have real lives that are not so traumatized? Traumatic, like, yeah. Traumatic, yeah, like, yes. It's just, I'm kind of like, oh my Lord. And so it's just, you know, the industry breeds that, unfortunately, but people's lives are like that. So when you look at art, I think we celebrate suffering. We celebrate, like, they real. They down. Like, can we be down with being kind? Can we be down with like being Joy. healthy? Can we be down with healthy relationships where your yeah. children are not traumatized and they're happy because everybody gets along or something? Like, you know, I think that the narrative of what certain terminologies like power and happiness and joy, like what is let's get to a different definition of what that looks like versus the what we see now, which is power is white folk and being in control and money. And it's like that's not real power. The source of all things is power, because I can't make the sun do nothing. Are you making universes? Then you don't really have the power. So let's let that go. Let's call it something else. <laughs> you know, it's really God. That's one other conversation, a whole other segment. And so, um, and so as we as we as artists are creating, know that your the purpose of what you're doing, you gotta know what do you want to leave behind? What is your purpose? Why are you an artist? Like why are you producing? Because some people produce just for themselves, some people produce to sell it, some people to produce to make money. You know, but when you have a higher purpose of why you do it, it can motivate you in those dark times, those times when you're sad about a parent dying, a time when you're sad because of a breakup, the time when you can't pay your bills. It gives you a different motivation because when you're happy and you're making money, of course it's easy, it's wonderful, yay. But what about when you have those growth spurts and you need to rely on your art to help you get through? So, you know, not just to sing to yourself, I'm talking about singers, but to make art and then when you're on stage, you know that there's something that you're giving that's more than yourself. That's more, it's more, not just for you, it's for something greater. And so artists, you know, you know, what are you doing? What are you as, I think Pierre was like, say it with your art. That's what he says on his things. But, you know, like, you know, something beyond you as an artist. And we also got really vain, like the celebrity celebrity thing gets my nerves a little bit like this branding celebrity strangers is like another pressure because of social media is like that didn't happen back in the day of the elders you know we didn't have we had movie stars and they might use the word celebrity but now it's just like anybody can do it so it's not even a lot of studying it's not even a lot of skills no time put in anybody put no time in to grow and and put, put their time into like you know, to prove that you have initiated yourself or been initiated to the process of being an artist. There's no initiations anymore in, in a lot of places, actually, and just being an adult, yeah. you know, so anyway, and there's yeah. culturally, traditionally, you have the rites of passage and stuff, but so the initiation process of putting in the time to hone your craft before you go out there, a lot of people are rushing to quickly, like, I am back, because they can present well, or they have the right language, or they look really cute, and they have a great voice, but, you know, it's more than just having a great skill. It's more than that, because we see that with people who are in jail for pornography, child pornography and stuff. If they had developed more because they cried about their abuse, if they had developed more, then they wouldn't be in jail for all that. If they had some healing around them and some rituals done when they were abused and they were children, possibly they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So there's the reality of people's humanity has to be connected to their art. 
because the separation of that can hurt other people. Like the example we see now, he had all these great songs and wonderful, everybody feeling good, stepping in their love, you know, and then you got this other side that's like, everybody tries to turn their head away. That's still that person. And I refuse to dance to people who are saying foolishness. I just won't stop, I won't dance to their music. I just kind of just do little boycotts because I don't see the separation of their art in, them, in, their music, in themselves. Yeah. And so the standard of that, people don't want to deal with the standard of that, but I think there should be a standard in regards to just being mindful and accountability of that. And I think people should be forgiven and expected back to the community, but it still has to be acknowledged that something was wrong. Like mm-hmm. if that was my little sister being abused, I would have a problem with them. But because people are like, it ain't me, it ain't my business. I'm like, it's always our business. We're all connected. Yeah. This whole it's all of our business. business. Yeah. It's all of our business. If a child's being abused, that's my child. And I'm gonna say something. Yeah, but absolutely. Most people are like, it's not my business. I'm like, you're disconnected. It's like, it's not the same disconnect, but people who murder people and can kill people in cold blood have definitely lost a deep connection. And so to, and to do that, even as a warrior, as a, a person doing that kind of thing professionally, there's a certain disconnect you have to create to be able to do that. And so to me, I feel like to be able to abuse a child, to be able to steal and kill people, like that's, a, that's some serious stuff. And so you do all that and you make a music and everybody's excited. Like, what is that about? Like, where is the accountability? Like, why are people allowed to just be foolish and do whatever they want and, and because it, they are cute or because they're somebody, they get away with it? That's just like- It's not reflected it's not so also. Like- not that I feel it's just not reality that every artist has um, a high moral code and way of operating. No, yeah. but right, course, it's yeah. also reflected. So when you're listening um, mm-hmm. to Miles Davis or you're listening to Jimi Hendrix, you can hear and feel that artist, mm-hmm. those artists. You can hear mm-hmm. and feel what's going on as. Uh, Nina Simone is singing it that part is not separate and I think that is um, one of the issues that we're having is that people can create this cookie cutter sound for art Mm -hmm. without actually at all integrating themselves into it and I guess maybe my question now that I think about it is like is that actually your art or is it a product that's a good question because when you said that I was like I heard the word persona so you have these persona because we brand personas, which goes back to the conversation about earlier about looks and personas mm-hmm. and people. That's why people get disappointed when they meet the person they love and they're not the same as they thought they were. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. So anyway, so that happens because it's not community. Community is not always involved. The community holds you accountable. So people are able to their community is their fans and the fans think they're wonderful. So they don't get held accountable. And if, you know, maybe you put things in place so people don't hold you accountable. Your family, maybe they treat you nice because you fund them and you're the money now. So I don't know. There's a lot of different reasonings for it, but I feel what you're saying in regards to people's persona. Now I love like Mary J. Blige. You felt like that's her life. That's why everybody loved her. They were like, like they're, everybody's cousin is Mary J. Blige. I swear. They'd be like, they would kill you for her. It's different than the hunting beehive people. It's like, that's my cousin. You better not talk about Mary. That's my girl. She had a hard time. Like everybody will say that. She had a hard life. That's our girl. She real. But like, she did. And she, she no, she did. She did. So I was using her as an example <laughs> of a person who sung about what she experienced, which is what makes her real. And off stage, she's the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from my experience, like she's the same. Even in her interview, she's the same. So it was like she's a person to me, but beyond her dressing a certain way and having different looks yeah. for the show, for the thing, she's who she is all the time. Like I really appreciate her as an artist in that way. And as she's grown in her craft, you know, she's grown in her craft also, but she's an example person that sings about what she's about and she lives it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and I think that when we talk about being real and everybody's reality being different, I have no problem with that. I don't want to, you know, to sound like I'm like pious or whatever. I'm just saying, I wish that people's realities weren't so bad. That's just my desire as a person. Like, oh, I wish we, but we have to have all these different questions. That's the healing side of you. Um, that's the, that's the spiritual (laughs) side of you. And that is the part of you, like that's your part of your authentic self. You do Mm -hmm. desire for people to be healed. And so that's going to be your lens, um, that you're looking always, always, (laughs) but I can't even help it. So even as I'm talking about, I'm like, but can't they be healed though? I mean, this they have to be healed children. (laughs) But we may not get the same art if they were healed. And and that's that's just the truth. Yeah. That's true. You know? Yeah, so I try to stay out of that, but I do want to point out that there is a space where people can hold people accountable a little better. Like, it's not so much, you know, judging how it happened, why it happened, because we're not in control of that, but just when it does happen, to have, you know, some more accountability so people are protected. Specifically, if you're, like, you're hurting yourself, as you're hurting yourself, but you're hurting other children, abusing children, that's just like, you know. And that, so when you gave that particular artist example, what I was going to say is, is that 
uh, that particular artist's music was not a reflection of the evil that was taking place in his life. And that to me is the difference between persona. So you have all these light, dancey, da 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 da. You're making a product that people mm -hmm. love and, and want, or it's catchy, mm -hmm. but that is not necessarily the art of a person that is expressing themselves in music. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, that can be debated with maybe some of the earlier songs that he released, people not understanding what he was actually talking about. Right, because he was giving hints um, of it, then he shifted once it got really big. But that, so this is what I'm saying. He started off as an authentic artist, uh -huh. right? He, he was in his music. Uh -huh. Somewhere along the line, that didn't line up. And people said, nah, we've got to create now something false so that you can continue going because you can uh -huh be a part of this this art authentically because you are you know basically off the chain and so you know that's just the interesting part when i think of more uh i don't want to say purists but people that really just love creating for the sake of creating they mm -hmm. are almost always in a part of what it is that they're doing mm -hmm. so you spoke about legacy as an artist what is the legacy that you hope to create and leave on this earth? <laughs> um, I would like to, and I plan to develop a collective of artists who are mindful and are like-minded and supportive of each other. Because I feel like when people do go through those things, they need support systems. So that's something I've talked to about with NDRE, with Shelf Rail, we talked about it years, like definitely like 2015, 17 years ago. But that's something that's in my mind that I know that is important for established artists as well as up and coming artists, some kind of process of that. Um, you know, I definitely want to leave bodies of work, a body of work that's diverse because I do sing different genres of music. So, you know, I have different albums I'm doing. I'm working on an album now, a tribute to my cousin Gil Scott Heron. So, that's, you know, liberation music and the first, you know, single will be out soon. So I have that part, but then I have like, you know, children's albums that I'm working on. I just sung it to my nieces and I'm dealing with, you know, you know, me, character development and stuff, you know, yes. positive words <laughs> and, and, and I, my degrees in music education. So um, I've been writing songs like that for years for the classroom. So, and there's other people who do that and that's fine, but I, I, you know, we all need to contribute our lens and our view for the babies. So that, and, um, you know, I'm very serious about relationships. So I have, you know, my marriage and just the, um, the example of a healthy relationship and all that it looks like, because, you know, healthy relationship is authenticity. So sometimes you fuss and stuff and you be like, mm, you know, so just that, <laughs> the work that I do with um, my husband in the community. Um, but yeah, and I have other things, like I want to paint and stuff, like the spirits can have me saying, you need to paint. I'm like, okay. So I probably will do some visual art at some point. It just hasn't come fully out. But I just, you know, for me, it's just, I don't want to have any anything unturned. Like, you know, I really, really appreciate it. Chadwick, Chadwick Brosman, Ibaye Chadwick Brosman, in regards to his statement about using all the creativity inside of him. Mm. And I had never really said that before. I was like, oh, that's a good one. You know, for me, it was like, use all the gifts, you know, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of stuff inside of me. Cause you know, for me, I do spiritual coaching. So like the school, my spiritual school will be up and running by the time I leave here. Um, you know, retreats in the woods, long white locks or no hair, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, just that kind of deep thing. Because, you know, the only person I know who did something like that was like Alice Coltrane. She had an ashram. Mm -hmm. For me, that is something at the end of my life I'll be doing definitely, if not sooner, in regard. Because I really love that world. The spiritual world and the spiritual work is extremely attractive to me. And I have to make sure that's penetrated through my music. So that's what I am, you know, like just making mm -hmm. sure that melts together in a way that people can utilize me and the times that you want to have my my voice and my messages for whatever they may need. So, um, and in concert with the other messages from other artists for different moods and different celebrations they may have. So I just want to be a part of the soundtrack, soundtrack of people's lives to help them, you know, to not help them, but to remind them of their true self, to, you know, get them grooving and dancing like I like to dance and to be able to be centered and be in their strength of their connection to the divine and their connection to their, you know, their connection to the, all of themselves, their mind, body, spirit, and their soul. So just kind of being who they are. That's, that's, you know, I, I, was, I never really thought of answering that in that way before. So it's a little not rehearsed, but, um, yeah. Listen, it's your authentic answer. That's what we is, have right? tonight. 
I got to, you know, that was, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I would want to do. And so I just want to make sure that I'm expressing all of myself. So as I work, I think the thing that people don't understand is that when you don't have a team on your butt to produce stuff, you have to do it yourself, which is my path right now. And because of that, I do things at my own pace. And so as I work on myself and my development, that shows up in my work too. So as I continue to grow and, and expand and be who I am, that's reflected in the way I do my art. So that's why the self-development is important because then you see these stages of growth versus the same thing forever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or the reversal of now you're being authentic and now you're putting out plastic music or whatever. That's mm -hmm. not really who you are. Then you're able to lie to the world and be traumatized people. So for me, I think as you grow and you're paying attention to your, paying attention to your growth, really nice art comes out of you. But the skill is important. So I think honing your skill is still important. Like I still practice, I still study stuff. And so honing your skill, I'm not a master yet. So yet, but I will be. I work hard to hone my craft. And so that should never stop either. You should still try to hone your craft always um, and keep listening and learning and growing in your craft, even if it's different aspects of your craft, like learning sound or learning production or learning an instrument you never played before, even if it's just casually and you never perform it on stage, just expanding yourself in that medium so that you're really, so because that helps your writing, that helps your expression as an artist. And so it's just important. And even just doing different mediums of art. So there are visual artists, I'm not people, they are, they could be really shy. You know, because in the School of the Arts, I um, found that they could, or introverted somewhat. Some of them are not. Some of them are hams and all that. But just if you're a visual artist, take a dance class. If you're a singer, take a musical theater class. If you're a singer, take a dance, you know, a drama class or take a visual art class. Like just kind of cross pollinate the different arts because that can influence you and assist you. And there are people who are elders who were visual artists who had masterpieces you never knew. And they were like trumpet players, masters. And then you find yeah. out, oh my God, they paint it too. Like, you know, yeah. so just kind of making sure you're expressing all of your creativity because you be a creative, it's going to come out in different ways. And don't be hard on yourself if it's not like in your idea of excellence. It's not Absolutely. about excellence in the master people. It's about what's your best, you know, not the best, it's your best. And so just being gentle with yourself also. And that's, that's really important. I think that we should be disciplined, but also gentle with ourselves. So that yeah, we're not, yeah. So we're not, you know, the gentle care, like it's really important because even now you're going to drive yourself crazy and then you're not full of joy and living your life well. You're just like, right. you know, you know, you're, I don't know, you know, so yeah. Okay. Well, that is, that is beautiful. I am uh, blessed to witness your different expressions over the years. And um, I can certainly attest to the fact that this is, you know, this is who you are. Um, and I am excited to see how that continues to unfold. And I also think that, you know, thinking about what legacy you want to leave for all of us, it holds us accountable. And in this season, there's so much going on in the world that I do think that like, okay, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? How do I like, you know, things have been um, brought to the forefront and that that's been a major consideration. And I know that um, some people may not know where to start. Some people may get stuck on one thing, but that point about um, the cross expressions, it's so important. Um, I always have to do something with my hands. Like sometimes I'm making jewelry out of copper. Sometimes I'm painting, sometimes I'm singing. But like in this season, I haven't, I haven't been able to sing since my grandmother passed away. Hmm. And okay. Um, you know, it's just part of the grief process. I've started no, singing. No, we sung, we did sing. No, she was, we haven't sung. We haven't sung together? Yeah. Mm -mm. You didn't do any gigs with me since? No, she passed away the end of March and that was in- Oh, you're yeah. right. We didn't do anything. Yeah. And so that avenue where I can say, yeah, as long as I have a gig, as long as I have a show, I can get this out. That's not been possible. Right. And so um, painting- Mm -hmm. writing, dancing, these are other areas that um, have still provided a creative release. And you're absolutely right. People don't think about that. They get caught up in their um, their labels and their identities. Yes, I'm a visual artist. I'm a vocalist. I'm a dancer. I'm a, you know, I play this and I play that. But how important it is as a whole human being to just allow yourself to express creatively however mm -hmm. it needs to come out and so mm -hmm. um i appreciate you for bringing up that point as well so where can people find you follow you and support you okay 
So um, navashadea.com, um, you can find me on social media. Um, uh, my hashtag is, my hashtag, is it hashtag? Handle, handle. No, I'm <laughs> so my what, handle. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know, like, my hashtag. Um, my handle is always navashadea, N-A-V-A, N-A-V-A-S-H-A-D-A-Y-A. Um, I was going to ask you to spell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real because people do spell it incorrectly. And so um, Navasha Dea everywhere, you can find me. And I, I speak a lot probably on on Facebook right now. But as I'm working on releasing my next album, I'll speak more. And the next album is interesting. You're talking about Legacy. The, al- the album itself is called Legacy. And okay. yeah, so that's interesting. But the first single is Liberation Song, Red, Black, and Green. So you'll, find, you'll hear more about that. Um, we'll see some other things coming up. While we're revealing other parts of myself, we'll see. I want to say two things. One um, last thing before we close is that, you know, another thing that comes out when you get older is the sexy thing that comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want to tell people who are artists is that, you know, the word professional to me is when you get paid for something. So I've gotten paid to sing since I was 13. Amen. Yeah. So when you're getting paid <laughs> for your art, you're professional now. So just kind of consider that when you're being judgmental of yourself or feeling like I'm not good enough or whatever. If you're getting paid, if they give you a dollar or 10, 25 cents, 25,000, it doesn't matter. You're a professional as soon as you get paid. And so that's what makes you professional because you're making money off of it, like a job. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of keep that in mind as you're working. Also, if you're not making money, then you're not professional yet and just work towards that. You know, just kind of mm-hmm. be gentle with the process. Right now is not the same as far as like gigs and stuff. People are having to do things free and online unless you're already established but just you know when this is over and we're able to move freely without any fear and people are in concert with that perfectly um you'll see that you know the opportunities will open up and you will be able to make money from your skill now some things can still you can still do like visual art still makes money because they can sell it online and you can still sing people pay you to sing little songs little ditties but my point is (laughs) you know if you are making money from it you're professional and to be gentle with yourself don't and then don't compare yourself so much like use people to inspire you but not compare and most times you compare where you don't feel Amen. secure. That's why the spiritual work is important. Because if mm-hmm. you're doing the work on yourself and you have mentors, have I forgot to say that. I'm just trying to give mentors, yes. Have mentors is important. So when you have mentors, you can call when you're feeling blue. So therefore you're not hating on your peers or feeling away when you see them doing a lot. Because the social media thing has brought a lot of anxiety to people where you normally wouldn't have it. Because people are so if if you're they're better at posting and better at connecting online, you can feel like, dang, is something wrong with me? Maybe you're not a digital person. That's okay. You're more in-person person. So and then you're learning about it. You get a team and people will help you. But kind of not comparing yourself this is very toxic to do that because everyone has their own blessing and their own gifts to bring. And as my husband, Fanon Hill, would say, everyone has an audience. Everyone has an audience. No matter how big the audience is, how small it is, whatever, everyone has an audience. You have your audience, find your audience, find your people, find your tribe, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. And I I appreciate you joining us for this this series. I know, and I knew that you would bring um, a very special insight knowing um, how integrated and how mindful you are in your creative practice. And so to everyone else, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Navasha Dea. And I will speak to you all next time.